Welcome, movie fans, to another Anatomy of Movie. Today, we dissect Fist Fight, the new Ice Cube and Charlie Day movie. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. I don't fuck with you. <laughs> Just had to open with that song. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Anatomy of Movie. If you're listening to the song and have no idea what it does with Fist Fight, please tune out now and go see the movie. Because we assume that you have seen the movie as we just discuss it today with Dimitri Panos. Hey, movie fans. Hey, Phil. What's up? Hey, hey. And I'm Phil. Um, this was a fantastic movie. The fact that you could have a movie with this song in it. Um, <laughs> Sung by a 12-year-old. <laughs> yes. Just brilliance. Absolute brilliance. And I can't wait for that for the Blu-ray to drop so I can just play that scene over and over again. Um, as we always do, though, um, I'm getting out of myself. Let's start with overall impressions. Go, Dimitri. Listen, I have to say, this is one of the funniest comedies I've seen in months. Probably since I've seen Bad Moms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I just find the 32% on Rotten Tomatoes very hard to believe. I, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't know what other movie people or other critics are watching. Phil, are comedies no longer in vogue uh, like, do people not like to laugh unless it's making fun of a certain person who's rebranded reality TV? Like, I don't understand. Um, this fight, this is a funny movie. It's a very funny a movie. A very funny movie. And I found myself laughing from beginning to end. Not every joke works, but they went for it. And whatever didn't work, they make up with it with about three to five other jokes that do work. Um... You know, and what catches me too, uh, this movie for me, um, it's definitely, it was like a reworking of a great cult 80s movie called Three O'Clock High. Mm-hmm. Now, I got to be honest, I don't know, I don't, I don't quite get like the writers of that movie, like why they're not, I, I don't know, that there was no, uh, there's no mention of three o'clock high in the credits, like based off of, but it just seemed to be a reworking where in three o'clock high, you had this nebbish, nerdy kid played by Casey Sosmenko. Uh, the movie was directed by Phil Janou, and um, he ends up through a set of circumstances, uh, the school bully, uh, three o'clock, you and I are going to fight. And it's the rest of the movie leading, gearing up to that fight. The movie is like, it's it's got like this style, this awesome 80s soundtrack to it. Uh, it's slapstick comedy. It was a really funny movie. If you haven't seen 3 O'Clock High, try to seek it out. I think it's on Amazon Prime. You can rent it or something. You watch 3 O'Clock High and you go, wow, Fist Fight is the same thing. I mean, it's... Fist fight, we've got the mild-mannered teacher who unwittingly gets, uh, you know, uh, into a fight with Ice Cube, who's the, you know, he's the teacher bully. And they're going to fight it out on school properly at 3 (laughs) o'clock. So, um, but listen, I thought the pairing of Charlie Day and Ice Cube work. And they wanted to work for a while together. Um, You know, they wanted to do right along, too, but it just didn't work out. So, but, but 
are, they were good together, were they not? Absolutely. I mean, I thought they were really good together. Um, also, I think like the pairing of um, well, the supporting cast, Tracy Morgan, was His first. Mo- Congratulations! <laughs> yeah, first movie back. He was hysterical. Jillian, uh, um, can't think of her Jillian last Bell. name. Jillian Bell. Jillian Bell. You know who's taking these these character roles? And got she was fantastic in this as well. Um, the guy that played the principal, Dean Norris, Dean from Norris Breaking from Breaking Bad and from Under the Dome, he was really solid. Um, I thought that the supporting cast like stepped up. Um, I really felt that this was a, you know, the first funny comedy of 2017. I felt it was zany. It pulled no punches. It was a verbal comedy mixed with slapstick, and it makes for a good time at the movies. Um, you know, I found that I liked how it didn't it didn't rely on the sexual raunch as much. Like there was one scene basically in the bathroom, the masturbation scene, right? But that was it. It was basically vulgar due to language, right? What I also found refreshing is that we didn't get the forced dick in the face scene. Oh, the horror. <laughs> like we didn't get that. And it actually I was like, okay, I'm 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 cool with that. Um, so it's a very underrated, at least according on Rotten Tomatoes. This movie is a far deserving, better comedy for the yucks and the laughs than the low grade that you might see in Rotten Tomatoes. It, it makes no sense. I mean, to be honest, uh, the only real problem that I had with it was Christina Hendricks. <laughs> Her character, I, you know, in terms of what didn't land for me, that was the only bit. Um, although it was, even in that context, it was funny that she did catch... You know, talking about the masturbation scene, she thought he was a pervert because right. he was in the bad <laughs> mistaken identity, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but other than that, it, it just took me by surprise. Uh, I loved all aspects that were, were were built upon. It's the last day that the kids are taking over, um, and and all the, all those things mixed together just made made for a great comedy um and it's, uh, Charlie Day's character you know you sort of feel for him but at the same time what what I love about these sort of comedies is you start feeling for him but the, at the same time he's also responsible for a lot of the things that he happens to him sure. and that's part of i guess the arc is that he needs to realize that he's doing it to himself as yeah. well uh, in particular the scene where they're in jail and he coerces <laughs> The guy, okay, when you see two head nods, he's calling you a pussy. He wants to right. fight you. It's not me. It's him. And just because he did that, obviously, it, it, that pushed a little bit too far. Right. Um, yeah, and so I love <coughs> I, I love their sort of redemption moment. Sure. I mean, look, happens. this movie takes place in a hyper real world. I'm not saying the kids can't be nasty as they were in this, but this was like to the hundredth power. But you get that right from the beginning. It's 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 like remember the opening scene, the Fast Times at Ridgemont High, where toilet paper is flying through the air in the high school grounds. And yeah, remember, like take that to the hundredth power of what is going on at the last day of this school. And yeah, I get it. We're in this hyper real world. This is how you can get away with doing zany slapstick by having a teacher dragged by a horse down a hallway while getting like paintball pellets pelted at him. <laughs> you buy into it. Um, and the movie establishes that right from the get go. You know the kind of movie you're going to get. And I was all the happier for it. 
um, because it, it was zany, but it also relied on characters. I had to empathize with actually both characters to an extent, um, but that built on the comedy for me. Yeah. Um, great scene was when uh, uh, Mr. Light Roast, <laughs> Charlie Day's character, um, was asked to help uh, Ice Cube and he goes into his classroom and they were screwing around with the VCR because they yeah. couldn't get like a DVD player. <laughs> and kids had the app on the phone that was shutting off the VCR. I like, Charlie Day figures it out. Everybody in the class know, including Charlie Day, knows it. And when Ice Cube finds it out, and he takes the kid's phone and he throws it up against the wall, when the girl sitting next to that student passes her phone off to him, you're like, oh, no, don't do it. Like Even Charlie Day is like, no, 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 because you're going to escalate this. That was a very funny scene. Uh, uh, you know, it was a great scene. But that's how that movie was. Everything escalated when you're like, no, yeah. leave him alone. Yeah, and, and the setup for it was perfect because <clears throat> you know that Charlie, uh, you know that um, his name's uh, Campbell, right? Andy Cam- Campbell. Campbell doesn't want to do this. Yeah. But because he... he because Strickland showed him that um, nice bit of kindness or whatever, you know, he's like, okay, you know what? Yeah, I got you. like now, now he's in, mm-hmm. um, and that's what just I, I love. I love that aspect of it. Um, um, and they they played uh, with this a lot, right? Whatever Charlie uh, Campbell would go off and do these things that thought would help him, but actually hurt him more. Yeah, and, like getting his, for example, getting Strickland's job back, and Strickland's like, wait. Got me my job back, <laughs> right? They'd they be happy. No, I'm pissed. It's like nothing's working for the guy, right? So uh, you, you, they had enough of those moments where it kept being interesting, yep. and, you know. And there was enough of these things, and it, it was just absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I thought the way that the mayhem played out worked, and like I said at the top, not every joke worked. It's but, not going to, you know. But but I'm going to credit this to. Um, I, I credit a lot of that. The director of this movie, uh, Richie Keene, who's worked with Charlie Day before because he's done uh, Sunny in Philadelphia, always Sunny in Philadelphia. One of his one of his inspirations, one of one of the movies that he falls back on, a movies like Airplane. And when you think about a movie like Airplane, it's zany, it's madcap, it's slapstick. But does every joke work? No. But the Zucker brothers knew. I'm going to throw in everything but the kitchen sink. And whatever doesn't work, I'm going to make sure that 10 other jokes do work. You know, so a joke could fall in its face. I don't care because you're still going to be laughing at the joke before it. And I sort of kind of like Richie Keene took that attitude when making this movie. And I appreciated it. He went for it. He went for it in that zany madcap way. And he didn't go for it just for he didn't do the raunch just for raunch sake. Like, like perhaps maybe a Seth Rogen movie will push the envelope purposely to push the envelope. I felt this movie was restrained from that. It didn't need to push the envelope. That's not no. what they were going for. I mean, it was very clear. The fact that, the, the, uh, <clears throat> you know, Counselor Holly has the meeting of the minds at the, at the mock UN. <laughs> <laughs> and it was funny. First off, it was funny enough just to kind of see that because, you know, I, I never thought that they actually call attention to it. And when they did, it was great. Okay, so I see you, you, you've sat next to Iran, and interesting, and you're Israel. <laughs> okay. And then, uh, do you want, and then the fact that Strickland switches out for North Korea. Right. They just play into that so well. It, yeah. 
again, another funny scene. I, talking about this movie is making me laugh again. And it just angers me to think, why does this only get a 30% of Rotten Tomatoes? I, I just don't get it. And if there are any people who are watching us live, if you're watching us live, that means you've seen the movie. You had to. You're not going to come on and hear us like rank on the movie, are you? I mean, I'm assuming you had to have liked it. Well, here's uh, just kind of jumping tangentially, just to um, according to Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the consensus seems to be Fistfight boasts a surplus of comedic muscle, but flails lazily, and far too few of its jokes land with enough force to register. I, think, I just disagree. I hundred percent disagree. Hundred percent disagree. I don't think it's lazy at all. Nope. Again, it's it's so inventive and and it always puts again Campbell in those awkward positions. Um, whether he's buying the iMac, whether he's trying to hide the weed, right, <laughs> or whatever it is, you know, and, and you know, and he's just just a guy desperate for his job. And, yeah. and th- th- there's that sense. Um, there's a great article actually, um, which I can talk about later, but it's from Rapid City Journal. Um, it's entitled Fist Fight Stars on the Need for Comedy in Uncertain Times. Um, it's you know the headline at all like says it all, and that's what I I guess to an extent I'm getting at. Like we we deserve to laugh. We deserve to like. I mean, movies are supposed to be an escape, and I went to this movie. It's 90 minutes, number one. It's so which short. Is awesomeness, right off the bat. Never overstays its welcome. And I laughed from beginning to end. And I just, for for 90 minutes, I was having a good time. Uh, it wasn't politically correct via, you know, having a 12-year-old sing that, that, sing that song. But that, that scene is a key scene in the movie. How do you not laugh? And listen, if you're not buying the movie up into that scene because it comes much later in the movie... Then you know you should have checked out it and walked out of the theater a long time ago. But you're having a really good time, so that when you get to that scene, again, the the, the crowd I saw it with, we were just all cracking up. We need comedy right now. This fight serves up a solid comedy. I'd rec- I've been recommending this movie. You know, I even recommended it to a friend who said, "Well, but Jesus got a thirty percent on Rotten Tomatoes." I was like, "Don't pay attention to it." If you saw the Red Band trailer and you thought that was funny, this movie is above and beyond those it's the dopey, stupid comedies like Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, where all the funniest scenes are in the trailer. Not the case with Fist Fight. No. No. Not the know. case at all. I mean, as you point out, I mean, this, um, I, I hold this higher than Bad Moms, uh, to be honest. And I can't think of a recent comedy that's as good as Fist Fight. For me, I mean, last year... Funniest movie I had seen last year was Nice Guys. I mean, I'm still watching that movie on cable, and every scene, laugh for laugh, funnier than anything else that came out. I did enjoy I agree. Bad Moms. The sad part is, it's not to me. It's not a straight comedy. No, I agree. You, you know what I mean? Like I I, this, it, this is I, a straight comedy. You're right. But I laughed a lot at that. I did laugh a lot at, at Bad Moms. There are other comedies that we saw, we talked about here, just weren't as funny. Just weren't funny. And they made more money. <laughs> and I just don't get it. You're being presented with a good comedy in front of you that has good actors, funny actors. They all look like they're having a good time. They put in their work. Jesus Christ, the fight. This builds up to this builds up to like a huge, huge fight that it took them eight days to film. Charlie, Charlie Day, Day still, still feeling it. He can't walk straight because of it. 
Um, you know, and the fight scene itself was very funny. You know, it it, was, it borders on slapstick to the Warner Brothers, you know, Wiley e. Coyote Roadrunner kind of like. I had no <laughs> idea how long it was going to go for. Yeah, I th- as soon as he punches in the first time, I was like, okay, well, I could see them ending it here, and Charlie Day says something nice, and and that's it. And then it just keeps going and going and going and going. And it's amazing for all of it. I agree. And um, you know what the uh, you know what the inspiration was for this fight scene? I do not. The inspiration was another one of Richie Keen's like, you know, favorite t- movies was is this John Carpenter <clears throat> science fiction movie called They Live that it starred Rowdy 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 P- Piper in it. And he has an all out fist fight with David Keith. Right, who's also a Carpenter favorite, um, and that movie was uh, billed. I mean, it was part of the advertising. It was in a fifteen-minute fight with sledgehammers because they actually pick up sledgehammers over one another. It's it's a long scene in the movie, and and Richie Keen says, "I want to outdo that," and uh, I think minute for minute they outdid the fight, and they live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Um, I'm sure many of you have to have seen They Live. It's a good sci-fi. It's, a, it's one of John Carpenter's last really good movies. Uh, it's a fun movie to watch. But particularly for that fight scene, it was used in the marketing. Well, here's, uh, you know, with this, what's nice about it and the, and the tough part is you have to balance both the, the, the sort of spectacle of it, of that they're actually fighting and that it looks gruesome. and ooh. But at the same time, it's funny. It's funny. And so that's a fight that, you know, because it can go, if you go one way too much, then the fighting doesn't seem realistic. And it's like, oh, they're just doing this for laughs. Or you go the other way, it's too brutal. And you're like, geez, this isn't funny right. at all anymore. Geez, right. they're beating this crap out of each other. I agree with you. There's a very fine line. I agree. But when you look at some of the great, you know, comedic acts through the years, like just look at the Three Stooges. The Three Stooges is based off of, off of comedy and violence. Like, hitting Curly over the head with a wrench? Uh, you know, it's based off of that. This movie, too. It was a brutal fight, but it was funny. <laughs> it was filmed funny. Um, you thought it was going to end. Nope. <laughs> There's another punch in the face. I thought, you know, in, in the eight, it took eight days to film this for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of screen time. It, it felt like a reel. It uh, definitely did. It lived up to fist fight. It lives up to the title. But you didn't even know it. But it culminated in in, um, in such a great way because uh, we, we we got the introduction of the Prius, and obviously the principal has been this uh, this you know as much of uh, of a villain as Strickland has been. At no point you know you're not going like you know it, it's Ice Cube. You can't hate him that much, right? So then every you know they were playing with this notion of that the principal is really the evil guy and, and it culminates into that great scene where they just beat the shit out of the Prius. <laughs> His Prius. Right. Uh, so, again, I didn't see that coming. No. I don't know if I need, you know, even if I didn't need it, but but the fact that they did it and it yeah. ties in so nicely. Yeah. These are all the elements that, you know, they, re- they really did thought of and it's funny. It, it is funny and let's, I want to talk a little bit too about Ice Cube in Strickland, mm-hmm. like this character, he's in a, he's extreme. He makes he makes the principal he makes Morgan Freeman's character and Lean on Me look meager. <laughs> okay, I mean where 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 that character where where Morgan Freeman's character I believe carried a bat. 
He's wielding an axe. Okay? <laughs> so it's an extreme. Not exactly right. And the movie makes a point to say it's not exactly right. But his reason for it sort of kind of makes sense. And being I have some I have some friends who are school teachers. And this is the kind of thing. He's like, I can't get I can't get good school books, but we got this fancy schmancy coffee machine here. Like I, he goes, I can't get a Blu-ray player. He goes, I, I get a VCR. Like, how the... He goes, no, I can't show that. I can only show a VHS tape of the history of the Civil War. I get where his anger can be coming from. And then this movie just, being that it's a movie, he's able to put it all out on the screen, makes for comedic effect. Um, <clears throat> I sort of liked what it had to say. But Charlie Day, as you pointed out, too, is on the other extreme where he's just trying to keep his job. And look, we, we living in California, the California school system is in the news often for layoffs, for iPad controversy, for charter schooling. It's, it's there. I really felt that the movie ended up being a little bit more topical than I expected it to be, and I don't think it was meant to be necessarily be a message movie. No, and they they but, they've, they've said that outright. Like yeah. they they never predicted what yeah. climate they would be in. Right, but um, and, and to your point too, I think comedy comes from awkwardness. You know, Larry David Seinfeld has made you know that was comedy golden that was made from awkwardness. Um, you know, and and. Charlie Day's character of Campbell, he, you're right. He puts himself into these situations where, much like the wily e. Coyote, none of his traps work. For better yeah. or for worse, his intentions are there, but they just don't work. And his intentions were there, but, you know, to let a high school student blackmail him, <laughs> you know? Again, it's funny stuff. Funny stuff. And then Tracy Morgan, too. Like He was fantastic. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> like, talking about he's the losing his coach. I don't think he's ever won a game. <laughs> it is not my fault. Not these my kids, fault. these kids don't want to win. Yeah, it was great. I loved it when Campbell's talking to him. He's just like, "Yeah, I think I might run." He goes, "What are you, Sea Biscuit?" <laughs> Again, it was the way he delivered it. Tracy Morgan, welcome back. A good vehicle, folks. You gotta see, just see this movie because it's funny. It's funny. Well, they, you know. Not only, I think it was well-written, but also when you have people like this, they can kind of expand upon it. Um, and what the, the prime example of understanding comedy to me is you always go with what's unexpected, right? And so when, when uh, Counselor Holly keeps telling us, oh, he likes me, he's been, he's been, uh, he's been toying with me this whole year. <laughs> he's full of shit. He's full of shit. <laughs> this is never going to happen. Like, no, he's not. And there. it's so wrong. It's it is. so wrong too, but you're right. The, the way she played it is great. And then, yeah, because at no point at the end, you just don't. It's so unexpected, and he's like, "I'm no longer a student, and I have been toying with you." <laughs> and there it goes. And it's yeah, as you said, it's wrong. But in that mo in that context, at this point, it's just because it's so. I don't want to say surprising, but but just I don't know what the word is. But it's just comedy. It's just funny. It's just comedy. It works. Because yeah. it sort of comes out of left field. Because we are, like, everybody, every other character in the movie where she's saying that, she's delusional. Yeah. And, and her delusion makes it funny. But 
And at the end of the movie, he goes, yeah, it was Toei Youth. You're like, what, what, what? That's fucking hysterical. Yeah. Oh, and I'm not a student anymore. Yeah. Jillian Bell was really funny. The other, um, she should be noted because, again, all her scenes, even with Campbell, were extremely funny as well. There was improv going on in this movie. And here's another thing, too. Comedy needs a strong director. Because you got to know when to reel things in, like what to allow to go off page, you know, and you got to know because you can't let a bit go on too long. Uh, I always found that, you know, I call it sort of kind of like the Jim Carrey effect. I didn't think that Jim Carrey, there were very few directors who were strong enough to sort of kind of reel him in and really get the best performance out of him. You need that in a comedy because if it goes on too long, then it becomes unfunny. Sometimes, we've talked about this, the Judd Apatow effect. Comedies don't need to be two and a half hours. No, please. You know? I mean, the only comedy that breaks that rule and can get away with it, there's only one, and it's a mad, 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 mad world. The movie clocks in at three plus hours. It can get away with it. And it's the only one that I will ever forgive because in that three hours, that is a funny-ass movie. But. I don't need to see a three-hour fistfight movie. Animal House didn't need to be three hours. I think Stripes borders on two hours and ten minutes, maybe. Okay? But I'll forgive it because it's funny. Today, 90 minutes, this movie in, it was out. It didn't overstay its welcome. I didn't get tired of it at all. And and that's a lesson to be learned. You gotta rein it in. You do. And what I, you know, to that point, you have to know kind of how things are progressing, uh, so, in terms of the writing, like the fact that we cut back to that same speech that Charlie Day would give every single time, and just <laughs> we start from what full confidence, and <laughs> going to that great joke about the cat, which turns that that was brilliant, by the way, with the permanent mark. <laughs> the, the permanent. <laughs> but you know, so you're, you're kind of conditioning to people. Okay, this is how he gives the speech, and then by the end. He just looks like a mess, and yeah. that's what sends like, oh, geez, this guy's about to lose it. Should yeah. we really do this? <laughs> yeah, we should. Yeah, yeah, we should. Um, so that you know, there, something like that, you know, you have to know how it's going to work in the movie, right? In order to make it work. Yep. Especially when you're shooting a movie out of sequence, no. too. So uh, the cat joke. Uh, Inspired by a true event, actually. They took that from actual, you know, they were researching about shenanigans that can go on in a school. Um, But you're right. And, again, to me, that's the building of a joke. And a ruling comedy is the rule of threes. We saw him give that speech three times. And each time he gave it, he was more and more beaten of a man. So by that third time he's given that speech, words mean shit to him. Yeah, and that's the joke is words have words have meaning. <laughs> and he just he doesn't believe anything he says at that point. Yeah. And apparently the cat penis one, um uh Richie Keene actually found that on YouTube, just googling what what kids have done. So you can find that one. Um did you get to contribute some of the ideas? And uh so I, I don't know. I, I just find that <clears throat> The collaborative effort, plus being that Richie had worked with Charlie, and Charlie was a producer on this too. So yeah, so him and Ice Cube both were. Yeah, and 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 I think that that helped. Um, being that 
Charlie knew as a director what he's going to bring to the table. And there's that familiarity of working together with him. I think it's on screen, too. I think there's the trust. Um, I think there was obviously there's a trust in that directing of a comedy. And you need that, too. Again, I think you need the trust in the director for the director to know when it doesn't become funny anymore. You know, and he's got to work with his editors and takes and whatever. So I think comedy can be really hard to do, especially in today's day and age. Um, but, uh, you know, again, I think Richie Keene really stepped up to his plate. And for his directorial feature debut, I think he did a really good job. Add to that, credit to Charlie Day, because this is his first movie where he's carrying, like, it's him. He's, yes, they put him with Ice Cube, but he's the main guy. It's not like Horrible Bosses where he's working with, with, with you know, with Bateman, two other, yeah. you know, Bateman and Sudeikis. This isn't an ensemble piece, so to speak. This movie's on his shoulders. It's the first time, and I think he really, I think he nailed it. I think he did a really good job about I, that. I thought so, too, and <clears throat> speaking of just kind of production in general, one of the things that tends to get overlooked, and sometimes in my mind, rightfully so, but in this case, no, it, just the the value of the cinematography, because it, it, you know all all the physical things that you're talking about, they need to work visually. Yeah. And if they're not shot in the proper way, and obviously there's editing associated with that too, which we can talk about, but but in terms of there was a lot of creative shots. Mm-hmm. That I haven't really seen before in a movie, you know, not necessarily all of them, but enough of them to make them go, "Wow, that's a- cool." Agreed, and that's another thing that reminded me of that uh, movie, Three O'clock High, because Phil Janou does the same thing. He puts in; it's almost like uh, he used different kinds of shots, almost like what the Coen Brothers were doing, like in a Raising Arizona kind of thing. Roger Deakins isn't the cinematographer here, but you're right. The cinematography here set up a scene, but I think it's also editing. His timing is extremely important in comedy. When am I going to cut to an expression? How long do I keep this for? And along with the, you know, along with cinematography, you know, this is where, <clears throat> you know, dying is easy. Comedy is hard. Uh, is is a stage, uh, an old stage saying. And it can be. I've seen bad comedies. We <laughs> talked funny. about them here. And a bad comedy, 90 minutes can seem like for an eternity. Uh, and this one, it just seemed like it was almost too short. But I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm done? I got the rest yeah. of the day. <laughs> I go, and that was just a funny movie. So, yeah, I agree. Cinematography showed me, like, the, the fight scene. The, yeah, there it was looked like a GoPro. GoPro like kind of thing. Twirling. We've seen, but they didn't overuse it. No, you know, it was it was funny stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the um, for me, one of the great <clears throat> visual jokes was uh, the 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 football field <laughs> because it worked on so many levels, both visually, but also just just how they were able to fool Tracy Morgan. Like, yeah, yeah the principal told us we need to. Oh, you guys are upright citizens. <laughs> yeah, go go ahead, go, go ahead. <laughs> and so. <laughs> It worked. Yeah, I thought so too. And you know, it's going silly. back to the rule of threes. First, they 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 laid out the dick, then the boobs. Yep. Then the the, <laughs> the, the cum shot. Yeah, it's the only cum shot we get in the movie, and it's fertilizer. Yeah. Well, I mean, like well, little hey, the other guy came as well. <laughs> That's right. Because well, he says, but we didn't. 
We didn't see him. But he does say, hey, no matter what, I still can't. Yeah. Yeah, wait. No, I'm not going to wait. <laughs> again, that scene in the bathroom was really funny. And again, Charlie Day's reaction to it all as Campbell, um, really solid. Um, so what, what I did find, uh, another aspect of this movie that I found very fascinating was the seed was planted. And again, you got to watch 3 O'Clock High. And when you watch 3 O'Clock High, you're going to go, how come they didn't get any credit for this movie? But um, Max Greenfield, who's popular on New Girl, um, he was the guy that sparked the idea for this movie. <clears throat> it was um, He planted the seed, and he served as a producer, um, but he was the story originator. And... Um, he reveals he came out of wanting to turn a typical high school rite of passage uh, on its ear. And he, he admits, he goes, I grew up in a small town and remember all the times we'd hear about a fight happening after school and everyone would be totally excited for it, but it would almost always disappoint. Um, he goes, and I wonder what would happen if it was two teachers who decided to fight it out at school. And he felt that put the twist on it. So the producers brought in the writing team of Van Robichaux and Evan Susser, and they love the idea. And hence, you know, we, we go forward. So it was just an idea. You know, Max Greenfield is in a position. New Girl, very popular show. His character is very popular on it. So uh, I just think that's funny. He didn't insert himself in it. I could have seen him in that in this movie, uh, you know. But uh, he, 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 he didn't. He, he, he took this. He took a step back. Well, what's funny is I, I could also see have seen that. You know, I I don't know quite how they would have tied the ending, but I could have seen this movie ending with that first punch. You know, as, oh, as he says, the like, fighting. Yeah, that the fact that every fight is so disappointing. Sure. You know, even though it's convention to go that way, I still will laugh because, again, it, at that point, it's so outrageous to what we've built up to. Right. <laughs> the fact that, that would have been it. I, w- I would have still laughed. Um, so that's a credit to them. They could have gone either way. Yeah, agreed. Um, agreed. I absolutely loved it. Um, let's see. Um, I know we're sort of jumping around at other points, but, uh, you know, I would love to know if you at home knew where the Big Sean joke was going. Because that's another thing they they, they sort of lay out. Yes. They keep, you know, having the girl uh, say, like, hey, can we do the Big Sean song? Right, and the, and the whole setup being that she was it was the school talent show, and uh, she and her dad, Campbell, were going to do uh, a scene from Rent. 900, Rent, whatever. Rent, yeah. The, the, the <laughs> most famous song ever. <laughs> and... His daughter was very nervous about it and wanted to change at the last minute to this Big Sean. Now, admittedly, uh, you know, I don't know who the hell this Big Sean is anyways. So I didn't know going into it. <laughs> like what? I literally had no idea what this song was going to be and what this was going to lead into. Other than the fact the mother goes, <laughs> because you need to find this Big Sean song. I was like, oh, OK. And then when it happened, I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> and then hilarity ensued, and I just could not stop laughing. That girl pulled it off so well. And it, it, it was, yeah, it was... The last time I saw a little girl pull off something as raunchy was Chloe Grace Moritz in the original Kick-Ass. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It sort of kind of has that... 
that it, she, she was just great. And Charlie Day's, like, <laughs> he was even, so, uh, Ice Cube even said of Charlie Day, he's like, yeah, he should just stick to comedy. He's not a good rapper. <laughs> but he's like, yeah, yeah, Charlie Day's, no, I'm not. But, but yeah, I could do the dancing okay. <laughs> yeah. It's a great uh, scene. Here's why, you know, it worked for me. I, I was familiar with the song, but at no point did my mind go there because it's kind of a misdirection. They keep throwing out, like, can we do this song? But it's more about, no, 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 we can't. You know, but I learned the moves to rent. And I know the words to rent. I don't know this song. So there's a lot more emphasis on what he can't do and what he doesn't know than over here. And so when it does hit, I even though I knew the song, as soon as that first beat dropped... I was like, oh, <laughs> this is what they're doing. And I could not believe it. And I was more the Charlie Day character, like, going, what? <laughs> okay. Um, so, you, so you're familiar with the song, so. I honestly think it, this was, this, like, this was comedic history. I really do. I think it might, it's, for me, one of the greatest cinematic moments ever. <laughs> because it pulled off such a long con. Yeah, it did, <laughs> and, and, and it worked. And the mere fact that it was a twelve-year-old girl—I wish, I wish we could have a video clip of that scene uh, just to show it here. It would I probably do. be illegal, but it, it, it was so funny. <laughs> Here's what I'm glad. I, I will say this: it was, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I try to look it up for my own benefit. Right. However, I'm glad it's not really out there because. To me, out of all the things, you know, we talk about spoilers and, and whatnot, and I'm urging people to go see this movie so I could talk about this scene with them, but I, I know I can't spoil it for them because true, they'll never have that experience, yeah. and I want them to have that experience. Yeah. But we are hoping that you've seen the movie um, if you're watching. But yeah, I mean, the experience worked for me because I'm more like the Charlie Day character. I was more like Campbell. I had no idea what this mm-hmm. song was going to be. I had no idea. I didn't even know who the hell they were referencing. I thought it was like another play. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Not at all. So, um, yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, and like I said, the only thing that outright <clears throat> did not work for me was uh, was Christina Hendricks. She, it, it, to me, it just went a little bit too far with her. Um, and I get it, but it almost feels that the character was a lot of her scenes might have been cut out. I mean, because it was yeah. almost unnecessary outside of the scene in the bathroom, which was funny. But where did that go? Where did her character go after that? And really, not that far. And I'm just wondering if if she had more to do in the movie that just didn't make it up. Well, there was to a part. Final I, I don't know if this is uh, <clears throat> this isn't exactly a scene, but I know in the fight scene. Just I only know this because of the credits. They had this, uh, you know. He's he, Ice Cube is fighting Charlie Day, and she goes to uh, Ice Cube. Hey, do you need me to kill him? Do you need me? <laughs> and so you know that got cut. But I'm I'm sure a couple of other things. And yeah. you know, I mean it's, it's it's tough because yeah, like you said, I I, I think the character wasn't 100 percent necessary except for those two moments of um, you know that. Her, her finding him in the bathroom and then her telling Strickland that he's a pervert. Right. Other, but then at that point, you're kind of like, oh, well, we got Christina Hendricks. Let's kind of utilize her. Right. But, eh. yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's not like Tracy Morgan yeah. and Jillian. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not sure what more that character had. Although the scene where she takes out the, uh, not the switchblade, but the that 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 knife. She goes, "Here, do you need this?" And he's like, "Get, get that out of here! You're crazy." <laughs> You know, and Iceberg, uh, Ice Cube is always good with that type of slow burn. We saw that in, in 22 Jump Street. No. You know, when uh, uh, the character was going on with his daughter, and he realizes uh, who it um, is. Uh, not, what's his name? Yeah, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. And the reveal comes to him, and that scene at that dinner gala event at the school, like his slow burn was hysterical. <laughs> he's great. He's great at yelling. He's funny when he's mad. Um, so, and apparently, too, there's like a bit of a story about how Richie Keene got him into the movie and got him interested into the movie because, yeah, he's a very busy guy. Um, Ice Cube being, you know, he's he has a lot of, he's got a lot of cachet under his belt, whether it be in the music world or or in the movie world. Uh, let's face it, <clears throat> you know, he's done a ride-along, too. He's already been a sequel to 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street. You know, they match him up with, a, he's been matched up with a lot of people. He's he's shown that he can be comedic. He's a producer. Uh, the Barbershop movies are, you know, his babies, turned into his babies. So, you know, does he need to be in a movie like Fist Fight, trying to get him? And basically, what, what pretty much got him um, Keen wanted him in the movie. He thought he would lend a great cachet. No kidding. So I had met with uh, he had met with uh, Ice Cube's manager, and Keen even describes himself. He was going door to door with my words, trying to sell anyone for the, that he was the right person for the job. And basically, what Keen did was uh, he made a presentation, almost a, a, a previsualization, if you will. And what he did was is he took trailers. And scenes from both Ice Cube movies and Charlie Day movies. And he took them and he edited them and stitched them in such a way that it made it look like they were interacting and that this was going to be fist fight. And, you know, who was Ice Cube before he was a teacher? The Urban Myths. A sequence that ended up in the movie and I had storyboards of the way he would shoot the actual fight. So... The um, the manager, or I should say, uh, uh, Ice Cube's manager, had said he goes, "Hey, he'll he'll talk to you. Um, he, you got to go to Atlanta." So he's like, "Sure, I'll go to Atlanta." So the studio paid for him to go to Atlanta to meet Ice Cube, and he gets on the plane, goes over there, um, <clears throat> and. He's waiting in his room. All he's doing is going to Atlanta. So he goes to the hotel. This is where they're supposed to meet. As soon as he... He hasn't slept. He's been on coffee all night long. He goes to the hotel room. He doesn't want to fall asleep. He was supposed to be at a certain time. And he's just waiting and waiting. And he finally gets the phone call. And he felt like he's like... Being in Ice Cube's present, he said, number one... With all the people that I met, his like you can just feel his presence when he walks into a room, and he's like, "Sure." He goes, um, "Hello, I'm Richie. Should I call you Ice, Mister Cube? <laughs> like, what do I call you?" And Ice Cube just he said he just smiled at him. He goes, "Call me Cube," and then he sat down. Um, they started to talk. 
about the movie and he liked what he saw. He's like, all right, let's make this motherfucker. Let's make a movie together. And he even allowed him to take a selfie, which he used in social media. And uh, boom, he was done. Got it through. He liked the project. And, uh, you know, good for Ice Cube for, for, for doing it and for the tenacity of Rich Keane to, to get out there. But it was, you know, it was good comedy movie magic. It was. It's it, Again, I, I think <clears throat> this, is, this is a fantastic movie. Better than uh, keeping up with the Joneses, Masterminds. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, those sucked. Yeah, I, and again, I don't understand. Like you're being given something that 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 works, um, and that's funny with with good characters, with good actors, with good funny people that people like. People like Ice Cube, they, you know. And that's the other thing too. Not, I'm not dissing, but you know, right along too. Like, right along, I get. I get it, okay? And it's a good matchup. Kevin Hart, he's, like, you know, working hard. He's, you know, flavor of the month. Right along, too? You know, Right along's a funny movie. I, I think the concept is better than the movie, but it's a funny movie. They worked well together, Right along, too? Not, not so much. I mean, this is a good rated R comedy. That's from beginning to end. Um, also, interestingly enough, Jillian uh, Bell also had uh, honestly. Well, she was sort of starstruck over Ice Cube. Yes, she ended up uh, being next to him for the table read, and she was like, "Oh, wait, how did I get in this position?" Yeah, because um, she has. Like I said, she. she I think they worked together before. Well, Twenty two Jump, Jump Street. Jump Street, right? But yeah. uh, you know, so you would think that would sort of ease her into it, but it sh- but no, yeah, she wasn't. Yeah. Um, so let's talk editing, shall we? Sure. I, you, again, in terms of the way you, you mentioned it earlier, with comedies, they typically, when you first do a cut, uh, they can be a little bit lengthy, and I'm sure it was. And that's the real art form, is being able to condense it in such a way that what you're left with is the best. Everyone, there's a common misnomer of, oh, it's whatever's left on the cutting room floor. Right. Well, there's also a reason sometimes things are left on the cutting room floor. Absolutely. And as funny sometimes. as they me may be, um, <clears throat> what you ended up with in this 90 minutes was fantastic. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes as a, as, a, as a rule of thumb, you have to sort of push the boundary in that way. Um, you know, and I don't know how much time they 100% had on um, post-production, but they did end shooting on November 23rd, 2015. Mm-hmm. So it seems like quite a bit. Uh, and, and I appreciate that because it allows you to sculpt that and try it. And you don't know what it's going to be until you just take something out and see if it works without it. <clears throat> right. And and like we said, editing, uh, Matthew Freund was the editor on this movie. And I think editing, when it comes to comedy, is so important because comedy is is a format that is rely, that relies on timing. Not just from your actors and the way in which they deliver a line, but it's how... How are we going to pace this movie? And obviously, the pacing of this movie, because it was such set in this hyper-real world, right? They can't really have... They can't afford in this movie to have downtime where people can start to check out. But when you're throwing joke after joke after joke at you, you really need to keep this pace going. It's because we are crazy and wacky and slapstick. Slapstick, because this is as much a physical 
comedy movie, which, again, sadly, an art form that seems to go a little bit by the wayside. But when you're in physical comedy, too, it's what take you're going to see. Which one? How are you going to film this? What makes it funny? And this is where director and editor really need to collaborate and work together to know to catch those beats because comedy is based on beats. And this is a movie that, because it's 90 minutes, it really never, there's not much lag time. There's no downtime in this movie, um, which is good. Like, I don't need it drawn out. First of all, it didn't need to be two hours. So whatever they cut, maybe on Blu-ray we'll get some deleted scenes, um, which is fine, fine by me. I'd love to see the gag reel, which they showed a little bit at the end of the movie here. Funny stuff. Like it had to have been a fun set to work well, on. What you know, speaking of that hyper reality, right? The, the way we're introduced to Strickland uh, at the well, this is this is after the bat scene. This is now at the uh, the coffee scene, and uh, I forget the professor's name or the teacher's name who who you know at that point got fired, and he's taking all of his stuff. And he's like twenty years or twenty five years, whatever he says, and everything just slows down at that moment to that hyper real point with the with. Um, not even music at that point. It's just like animal noises and right. everything, and it's just so slow. Again, that that creates a moment that you have to know how to account for and how to right. how to be able to trim it and um, and sound effects as well. Gordon Daniels, I think, was the character Irv, the teacher. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, that, and he was a comedic foil. He would be the guy that slipped on. Oh, he's the guy that slipped on the uh, the, the, the Vaseline on the on the the, oil, the baby oil on the floor, which, which again was, later comes up again. Yeah, three times <laughs> they yeah. used it. So they 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 very much knew what to keep and what not to yeah. uh, have. Yeah, and don't overstay. You're welcome on a joke. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I didn't get too much info on music unless you were able to. I mean, most of the music came from, uh, comedically for me, the, the stuff that uh, was the songs like the Big Sean song right. and everything else. Yeah, no, I, I don't have much on score. Um, my, my guess is, is that uh, probably had, well, I'll look it up right now. It's but Dominic Lewis who... who was he the music supervisor? Uh, yeah, he was the music supervisor, yeah. um, and he's just he's done films like well he's done a, uh, the Man in the High Castle the TV show Money Monster, um, Kevin from Work the TV show as well, mm-hmm. uh, so did, did that yeah. Um, music was fine, like the music worked its best, <laughs> especially in that one scene. Um, it never overpowered. I don't think it added or det- it didn't detract from this movie whatsoever. Um, but, you know, sometimes score in a comedy, especially a slapstick comedy, it's using sounds to elevate the gag or the sound or the punch to the face. You know, you you know, that the whistle, the it's, you know, like the Three Stooges sound effects stuff. Um, this movie didn't need to rely on that, no. which is great. Um but they I, relied on its actors. I was just waiting. Uh, I, I love the reference of "fuck the police," which is oh an NWO so, yes. NWO song. Yeah. Uh, the other, even though this is not, mm. um, this is certainly not an Ice Cube song. I was hoping to get "Mama Said Knock You Out" by LL Cool J <laughs> at some right. point. Uh, that would have been funny, but yeah, it's fine that it didn't. Yeah, I'm not going to cry over yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. I, I just, if that was there. 
that would have made it a perfect movie instead yep. of just an amazing movie. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I can't... There's nothing for me to really complain about this movie except for the fact that um, people don't like to laugh, apparently. I mean, he's, yeah. I mean do you want me to, I can read some of the um, the Rapid City Journal. Sure, sure. Uh, and we'll go... I was going to go into um, a little bit, you know, behind the scenes, too, about sure. one, of the, one of the biggest challenges, believe it or not, was finding a location... The school. Mm-hmm. Um, after visiting upwards of 30 schools, they found the perfect set, a condemned school building with no running water. Although he initially deemed the school perfect, he was slightly worried that uh, they wouldn't allow him to film the dude doing the, you know, the mature content uh, of the movie. But, uh, yeah, I would see how this could be. Number one, I didn't, well, I could see how it could be difficult to film on the school property once they find out the kind of movie it is. Um no idea that it was filmed in Atlanta. I actually thought it was filmed here in Los Angeles. I thought it was, but but you know, um, so um, I think that visiting thirty schools and finding a condemned school seemed to fit its purpose. I would have never known. Didn't know no. that the water was. Yeah, no, uh, you know, I think that's thought that was cool. Absolutely. Um, well, jumping to. This article. So, once yeah. again, the title is Fist Fight Stars on the Need for Comedy in Uncertain Times. Um, and, and it starts off, No one could have predicted when they were making the breezy, irreverent 91-minute Charlie Day and Ice Cube comedy fist fight that it would be coming out in the midst of uncertain and diver- um, dis- divisive times. Back then, nearly two years ago, the cast was thinking about the story about a group of teachers facing layoffs in a mismanaged public school and how some were finally getting a chance to work together. Cube had tried to work hard with Day on Rolling 2, but it didn't pan out. They were changing roles from male to female to get rising talents like Jillian Bell in the pack and creating parts for others like Silicon Valley star um, Kumail. Who is funny. Who is very As a funny. security guard. Very funny. <laughs> he was really funny. Um, all in all, it was, a, it was as fun as one can imagine, save for the after-school fight between... Um, ba, ba, ba. So it kind of goes on to the various things, but it talks. It it goes on to talk about how um, all hope was that at the very least, movies, especially um, comedies, can serve as an, an enjoyable distraction to what's going on. Uh, and then uh, this is what Day writes: No matter where you stand, whether this is the worst time in your life or the greatest time in your life politically, it's important to put all that aside and let yourself laugh and blow off some steam. Otherwise, what are you going to do? Just drink. Yeah, I, I, you know, I can't, I can't agree with it more. Um, I just, we are in need of comedy. We're, we're, we're in need of uplifting movies. We're, we're in need of a feel-good movie. I think that's one of the reasons why Hidden, Hidden Figures was my favorite movie of, one of my favorite movies of 2016 is because it, it left me feeling good. Um, you know, we are living in interesting times, so to speak. And when you have, you know, I should go to the movies. I don't necessarily want to be depressed. Um, various things that happened in 2016 and that are now continuing on and things to cope with. But going to a comedy, this movie helped. I, I walked out. I laughed. And, and again, it was one of those weird things. We talked about this um, before. We're in Rotten Tomatoes. Literally, a friend of mine, he, he was like, ah, oh, thing's getting killed by the critics. And I was like, yeah, but I'm going to see it. The trailer looks funny. 
Um, we've also been subject, and I'm sure you too, listening and watching audience, how many times have you gone to a movie, right? You've seen the trailer to a comedy. It looks really funny. And you go see the movie, and all the funniest bits were in the trailer. Every okay. single movie. Okay. And then the other huge sin is there was a funny bit that was in the trailer that ends up getting edited out of the final version of the film. And you go, but that was sort of funny. I, this isn't the case with Fist Fight. Fist Fight gave me so much more than just the trailer. And I was just asking myself, why? Is it a perfect comedy? Is it a, is it is it a Blazing Saddles? Is it an Animal House? No, but it's definitely in in recent times. It's definitely up there with Bad Moms. Um, I'm trying to think of another comedy that's come out that I really thought was hysterical within the you know we, we Phil admittedly you and I were the only two people that liked. Um, a Million Ways to Die in the West. That well, was a good movie. Ted. Ted was a very funny comedy. Um, but I'm just trying to like Neighbors. Neighbors 2. They, they weren't were, that great. They weren't that great. Eh, I laughed here and there. Um, we, we talked about Mike and Dave need wedding dates. Not funny. This was purely funny. And the aforementioned movies I talked about made more money. You know, Bad Moms. I will give it. I laughed at Bad Moms. I thought it was. I thought it was. It was a good movie. It was a good movie. It runs a little long, but it was a good movie. Fist Fight is. Equal, I think it's equally as good. You say it's better. I, I'm not going to argue that. But for 90 minutes, I laughed. I felt good when I came out of the movie theater. And right now, with everything that's going on, I. I sort of kind of want to feel good. You know, I want to try to feel better movies should be an escape they usually are very reflective of the times and i get that science fiction does that really well dramas can do that comedies though can make fun of it whereas science fiction can put the mirror up to society and show us the bad things and what's going on animal house was born of the time it was college slobs Facing and going up against the establishment, okay, and winning at the end, okay. Caddyshack, the tagline for Caddyshack was the snobs versus the slobs, okay. Fist fight isn't necessarily meant to be an establishment movie. You can make an argument that it says something about the school system, but there's nothing wrong with there being just a crazy slapstick rated R raunchy comedy that you know that is just funny uh, and and why why don't why don't you want to laugh people why um, go see a cure for wellness yeah Maybe it'll cure that yeah just I don't have you seen that and I haven't god awful yeah I just uh, I like uh, Gore Verbinski but you know th- this week it was you know, it was it was seeing this, it was seeing the Great Wall, it was doing my Oscars, it you, you was doing a, a lot choice. of stuff. You uh, made a wise choice. You know, but I was very happy to come out of this movie uh, and go that this is definitely an eighty a high eighties movie for me percentage wise. If I'm going that, this is a four out of five star movie for me. If I'm doing a four star review, this is a three plus star movie for me. This is a very funny movie I that. Know. 
And again, comedy is infectious. See it with a good crowd of people. See it with your friends. You'll laugh. I saw it, to be honest, I saw it. It was just, it, it was two people total. It was me and someone else. And you know what? We both laughed. You both <laughs> I didn't need a crowd. I yeah. didn't need it. Yeah. Um, so that's that's my endorsement for the movie. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, in lieu of not getting repetitive, I think, uh, why don't we, any, any final thoughts before we head on out? Nope. I'm just saying, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, critics, come on, guys. You know, not every movie has to be great, but, but this is surely funny. Don't call me Shirley. Um, it's a funny movie. And, and, and folks, tell your friends, too. It's far better than what a Rotten Tomatoes would suggest it to be. Go see it for yourself. That's what I've been telling friends who, who bring that argument up to me. It's legitimate. Oh, you liked it? It's only getting 30% in Rotten Tomatoes. Don't listen to it. Just go. You'll like it. I concur. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Let us know your thoughts and opinions on the movie. Uh, we do give a fuck about you, so please do let us know. Um, at DMovies1701. <laughs> please support me, because I do give a fuck about you, too, if you, if you support me. I might even follow you back. <laughs> Um, Get me up over 12. Stay tuned for our Oscar predictions. Um, that's an episode dropping real soon. So, oh Boy, I'm do sure. I have my comments on that. <laughs> so, uh, and you know what? That's always a fun episode because not only it's, it becomes a very great episode. Not only do we give our, you know, we, we argue here, but obviously you at home as well can argue about that. And it's, it's a fun episode. I love it. I mean, we're talking movies. Let's get, let's stop talking politics. Let's just Absolutely. talk movies. Uh, so until then, we've got, uh, we've got get out next week. We've got Kong uh, is coming out. March is going to be Kong, Logan, beauty and the beast. Uh, what? <laughs> That's March. We got a lot of songs. So until next time. Bye. See ya. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff, we would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.